Hey, everybody. Absolutely fantastic episode of the morning show today. We discuss the news that happened on crypto Twitter about Arkham Intelligence's data bounty going viral and the corresponding token launch coming up with Binance. A lot of people think that this was the feds getting into crypto. We also talked about Fat Zuki, among other NFT projects, and had a general discussion about crypto and whether we're at the beginning of the next crypto cycle. Beyond that, the show is sponsored by Lacoste, so check out the Underwater Genesis Pass by by Lacoste. Uh, you can find links on our Twitter. Definitely really thrilled to have Lacoste as a sponsor and hope that you all enjoy the show. So have you guys seen this Vegas, uh, this sphere? It's the uh, MSG sphere and it's almost done being constructed. And it's basically like people are saying it's one of the most impressive engineering feats that they've seen. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool. And I don't usually get super duper excited about stuff like this, but the things that they're doing with this is pretty crazy. I've seen it as an eyeball. I've seen it as a basketball promoting Ice Cube's big three league. Uh, it's pretty damn cool. I feel like there's a lot of cool stuff that we can that you can do with this. And I also think it's going to like revolutionize the way they build structures and then like pair advertising with it. Because you could like, I don't know, do like a movie or something on this thing. It's pretty wild. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. Honestly, I think they built it for like $2.2 billion. That's a fucking deal. Like, I don't know who the hell engineered that, but the complexity of that, they can't build like 10 miles of road in America these days without it costing like $5 billion. So to build that thing for $2 billion is phenomenal. Is it going to cause some car accidents? Yeah, but that's worth it in my book. It'll cause car accidents because people are distracted by it. Yeah, I saw one where the eye blinks, and I was just thinking, like, if I'm, like, just driving into Vegas, you know, and I'm, like, and it's, like, a not note, and then all of a sudden an eye blinks, like, out in the distance, you're, like, what the? Pretty good stuff. Uh, easy. Have you seen this thing? Dude, I've been seeing it. It's absolutely wild. I, I went into, like, a weird deep dive because I was so curious about it. It cost a guy, like, a billion dollars to make the damn thing. Um, but he thinks that he'll generate significantly more. It's Dolan, right? The guy who owns the Knicks, I'm fairly sure. Bob fairly Dolan. Sure. Yeah, so it's the same guy, and he's building one in London right now. So he's building a second one, like, immediately, like, just letting it fly. Because to him, he thinks that this is going to be, like, the biggest advertising gain for them. Um, and obviously, there's, a, there's some issues with, like, the Knicks and how he's managed those. And a lot of people feel very strongly about that. But the guy knows how to advertise. That's for damn sure. I think it's pretty cool. There's some, like, creepy ones I've seen of this thing where, like, it's an eyeball. And, like, it makes me so uncomfortable. Um, but then like the basketball one for the summer league was sick. Like I was like, oh, this thing is awesome. Yeah, the giant moon is crazy. So for those that are listening, oh, wow. look at a video and it shows like a moon that looks hyper realistic. That's like just touching earth. But they've already started selling tickets for it for like, because it's obviously hollow inside for like events. I'm curious how many seats it can fit. I'm curious. 18,000. Like, okay, so it's that's not that big to that's be not, honest. Yeah. Like that's fairly small. Like 15K is not like, that's not an NFL stadium or like a NBA stadium by any means. No, you're not like seeing like Morgan Wallen, but maybe Maggie Rogers. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. <laughs> no, or like Childish Gambino, present day, not back in his prime. You know, like some small name stuff. But I'm sure the tickets are going to be ten grand. Like they got to, yeah, they got to recoup those costs. Uh, oh man. But like, what happens if they do like a Dave Chappelle in there? You know, like those tickets are going to go for cheddar. And then the advertisement, they could slap something crazy on that thing, where it's like a literal I living joke. Yeah. Uh, I, can you see these from space? Is, are they that big? <laughs> no, dude. No, I think, I think only that, uh, no, no, it's actually a valid question. Because I'm a little light. bit of a conspiracy theorist. And so I was like, okay, now he's building one in London. I'm thinking he's like 
you know, trying to send a signal at the aliens or something. That's where my head went. But there is that light in Vegas that you can see from space that shoots out of the top of the pyramid. It's like the brightest light uh, in the western western side of the world, and you can see it from space. It's just a literal light. It doesn't it doesn't do much else. Well, I mean, all I know is if Taylor Swift was there, the tickets would probably be a hundred k a ticket because you know that's way too small. Also, wanted to comment. Mister Long said, "Like the roster today, trim the fat." That's incredibly rude, Mr. Long. Just because Nick is not here, um, he will be here, though. Don't worry. Uh, he then followed up and specified that he's referring to Nick. Uh, look, guys, we're going to get into, like, you know, the show, a.k.a., you know, the NFT show. But I want to talk about crypto right now. Um, so I brought up in a private chat with Easy, or excuse me, with uh, Kicks and Nick, I don't know why I don't also text Easy. I guess I figure that Easy just already knows everything about crypto. It's not worth me sharing information with him. But basically, that a friend of mine that is very, very much so often a signal of where we're at texted our group chat about Bitcoin. And that's very, very interesting to me. That's very juicy. I saw OSF uh, post a tweet this morning about how he thinks that we're likely at the beginning of the next crypto bull run. I think that saying that, you know, it might be slightly early for that, but at the same time, you never know when these things are going to actually start. And before you know it, we're going to be coming up on the next Bitcoin halving. And it's like every cycle is a little bit different than the last. So maybe this one would be like, oh, it started a little bit early and people didn't see it coming. What do you guys make of like crypto price action and where you think we could go from here? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. you go ahead. No, you go first, easy. I was just gonna say, I'm in like a a serious bull camp here. Like, I've I actually posted a video, I think it was like last week, where I talked about like if NFTs were dead, and in general, I, it kind of correlates to crypto too. Here, basically, red days, any severe red day, I almost two to three x my DCA strategy on those days, where I'm using a lot more capital on any red day and serious red trends. I'm continuing to DCA. I had like way more aggressive than I have been throughout this year. I did the same strategy when FTX collapsed basically throughout the entire end of the year. Uh, and I, like, I have buys of Seoul, which I'm still so happy about, sub $9, which like I look at now and I'm like, dude, that was one of my best trades. Yeah. And I did the same thing with like Phantom, uh, obviously before this multi-chain capital hack. And that was when I actually exited because I was like, I think Phantom has a short-term pump. But now I'm looking at a few other coins. Uh, I was talking to Kix behind, behind the screen here about Arbitrum. That looks very interesting to me. And I'm huge on AVAX. A lot of people know that, like, uh, and I, I actually get ripped for it, but I always talk about how I have AVAX nodes. And I'm a huge fan of that ecosystem because of what they do with, like, their infrastructure and subnets. And South Korea is piloting their subnet with a, a KYC blockchain called uh, SK Planet. And there's speculation that Amazon will be using an AVAX subnet for their upcoming one, especially after the recent announcements of partnerships with AWS for AVAX to improve the infrastructure. And that's my bigger bet there is that I continue to look at like these altcoins that are kind of lagging. So AVAX, I like Kix's Arbitrum call. I genuinely feel that like Solana, and I had a very good conversation with somebody this past weekend who's been around the crypto cycles a few times now. I was an early Bitcoin buyer when you could buy it with PayPal when it was sub a dollar. And like they mailed you instructions on how to set up a wallet. And he said that he thinks this next cycle, Solana will have its quote Cardano moment. Mm. And I know people hate that Cardano comparison, but people forget Cardano went 15 cents to $3 uh, last cycle, which was crazy. Yeah. It was an, uh, I would argue it's an unwarranted pump. It was an unwarranted pump on Cardano. But when I look at, so uh, I think people probably know I'm not a trader, right? I, I like just buy and hold the high conviction assets that I believe in. Uh, so I've 
you know, been accumulating a ton of Bitcoin. Uh, you know, when that same friend texted about Bitcoin's ETF, I immediately moved $7,000 out of a savings account into, uh, you know, the, the, the crypto exchange and just bought a bunch of Bitcoin. I've been aggressively DCAing. I've accumulated like 0.68 new Bitcoins in the last six or seven weeks. Um, and so, I mean, I, I know it's not like whale status, but it's, it's definitely something. Uh, but no, when I, I mean, that's realistic, right? I think like the, a lot of the problem in the space is too many people being like, oh, I just casually bought 4,000 Bitcoins. Like, okay, bud, like, you know, that's like, that's a good move over the next six or seven, like past six or seven weeks is to almost get a new, a full Bitcoin. Exactly. And, and I have it in a different exchange and that exchange is the one where I'm like, okay, I will sell this because last cycle I didn't sell any Bitcoin at all. I've never sold Bitcoin in my whole, in my whole life. I've just only pressed the buy button. I've never sold it. And so this time I'm like, I am going to have an allocation. I'm just viewing it as every dollar I put in will be, you know, for it's a three X in the future, no matter what it's a four X in the future. Um, but the interesting thing that I think is when I look at trading, I don't. I can't have higher conviction in any altcoin more than Solana. Like Easy was just kind of talking about, Solana got violently oversold because they associated it with uh, FTX and with Sam Bankman-Fried during that debacle, and so it just got, like Easy pointed out, violently oversold. And then when you use it, and obviously we're building on it, so I have inherent bias, but at the same time, that experience from building on it and using it with Bodagos and other Solana NFT collections, it's just a great blockchain for NFTs. Like also got some underlying stuff that people aren't like looking at. Uh, TLV is increasing right now, which a lot of people are actually attributing to its DeFi scene. And there's like seven or eight DeFi protocols you can participate in for upcoming airdrops. I'm actually doing a write-up for the uh, Bodega Discord right now on the ones I'm looking at to just show some people like what I'm aggressively starting to like dive into. Because the big, like what really pushed ETH to this like dominant market capital, what a lot of people really valued it was, was that DeFi summer run we had yeah. back in like 2020. 2020. Yeah, and that was right after the ETH, basically everyone wrote it off when it was $80 and then had this crazy rally because it was the underlying gas. And I don't ever think like people are going to be like, oh, Solana's like going to go to a million dollars because like transactions are cheap. It's instant. And that does have some technical quote downside. I think it's way more consumer friendly. But what that does is it makes way easier for a wide audience base to participate. And that's where I'm like, that makes the most sense for me. So as the TLV is ramping here and we're starting to see more DeFi plays on Solana, this is where I think it's going to end up having its like DeFi summer moment, especially because right now there's four or five protocols I'm actively looking at that all you literally have to do is like stake Solana to their validators, which they disperse for you. They give you their token and you get the yield, which is I think like an eight or 9% guaranteed return, which stops from Solana token inflation. And there's like all kinds of things on the back end. Like if you just have soul sitting, you can literally take like low risk, decent reward. I wouldn't say it's like high reward. It's like low risk, low reward type of plays. If you're just sitting on soul, that make a ton of sense and you farm their native token. So like it really starts to feel that we're getting some DeFi in soul as it's kind of like the lagger for it. And my thing is like, for, you know, I know Bitcoin, right? So when I talk about stuff, I talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin 40K, to say that it's programmed is like the biggest understatement of the century. I'm not saying this is for next week. I think a big thing is a lot of people that listen to the show, a lot of people that are active on like crypto Twitter, when you say something, they basically are hoping that you're saying, hey, the price is going to go up literally tomorrow. Like the, like I'm not talking about you supporting yourself and buying milk and sugar at the grocery store off of a Bitcoin trade that's going to happen tomorrow. But like for me, 
rather than just taking money from uh, money and putting it in a savings account at this point i'm like well why wouldn't i just hold it in bitcoin it's like i i understand interest rates are high and you get a lot of interest on cash right now but that interest on cash does not outperform bitcoin i mean the run from 30 to 40k is a 25% gain you know i mean it's a, or even more it's a 33% gain so i'm just saying uh, kicks yeah, and I, I've been looking a lot at the 1970s and comparing it. Yeah, you've been tweeting decade. about that. I, I've really liked your analysis there. Yeah, because I feel like, uh, I don't know, I, I don't think it's very easy to get rid of inflation in one go. Like, you can't just stamp it out. It's like ants in your house, right? You're not going to put down one trap and it goes away. It takes a couple treatments, right, to, like, get rid of it. So, like, in 1970s, that's the exact same thing that happened, right? So, basically, what's happening right now is, um, uh, inflation is coming down, right? So then they're going to pull back rates. But what's going to happen when they pull back rates, right? It's going to re-stimulate the economy. So you're going to have real estate transactions happening. You're going to have stocks potentially go up, people investing, right? All of that money that starts to pour in then reinflates the economy, right? So then inflation goes up again. So then they have to stamp it down again by raising rates. So they ba they'll basically go from printing money to raising rates, printing money to raising rates, right? That kind of environment is really good for hard assets. The two best performing um, investment areas in the 1970s was gold and real estate, right? Yep. And you can already see how Larry Fink is positioning Bitcoin as the digital gold, right? Yep. I think there's an intentional reason why they're positioning that way is I think that a lot of the real smart minds knows that we there's a strong chance that we're going to have cyclical inflation over a period of time. In those kinds of, of it, like digital gold investments are going to be really valuable because you're going to go from printing to raising rates, printing to raising rates over maybe the next decade. And if if that works for Bitcoin, I don't think it's isolated just to Bitcoin. I think you do get potential like follow through to like some other um, uh, other other things as well. But I already deployed a lot into crypto in general, but definitely here I've started to add um, some some to Bitcoin. Um, but like, I'm not, I'm not absolutely aping in cause I, I did make some good buys earlier this year. My big thing is just, and some people have been tweeting about this on the timeline over the last 24 hours is that the worst thing that you can do in these kinds of markets is over trade. That's how most people screw themselves up, right? Because this year we're halfway through this year, all of Bitcoin's moves up. It's up almost hundred percent this year came from eight or nine trading days, eight or nine. Right. So that means if we're 150, whatever days to the year, 141 days, you sat in the market, nothing happened in nine days is where all of the action happened. And the same thing happens in traditional equities as well. But the point being is like a lot of people are going to get impatient when things aren't moving and they're going to move to another trade. They're going to switch their position around and they're going to have to realize tax gains and they're going to just over trade and chop themselves up to death. So like the real thing I'm trying to do which I'm normally terrible at. I sold my fucking meta stock way too early. So sit <laughs> on my hands and let it ride. Well, we talked about Facebook a number of times over the past few weeks on this show, uh, or meta, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it sold as if it was a crypto stock. It sold like Coinbase does. It sold like Bitcoin did and, and crypto during the FTX debacle because of the metaverse association. Zuck at the time also said like, he basically said it was a mistake to lean as heavy as we did into the metaverse stuff. So obviously it was due to come back because it's not it's not a crypto uh, you know stock it's it's not a crypto company uh, and it's it's Facebook it's Mark Zuckerberg it was due to come back so at five x which you don't commonly see in a short period of time on the stock market um, 
I just sent Clemente a link in the private chat. It basically is Bitcoin's year-over-year -year performance, the total return year-over-year. So I'm a big fan of this. And if you were paying attention to this, then you would have known on New Year's Day this year, January 1st, that that would have been an absolutely elite day to literally put as much money as you could into Bitcoin. Because basically, this is showcasing the percentage return of Bitcoin year over year. And it's it the pattern is three years up, one year down. Three years up, one year down. Three years up, one year down. And 2022 was actually the worst year down. It was an 81% drawdown. The previous drawdown was in 2018. I think we all know that, 73%. Previous drawdown before that is 2014, 58%. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that this pattern just eternally uh, continues, but it has happened three times, in, uh, and it, that's in accordance with the Bitcoin having. So you could have known that if you bought you know, January 1st, 2023 Bitcoin, you're going to get some good return, and we're almost at a 100% return. So if you look at the previous years after the drawdown, 2015 after 2014, 35% increase followed by 125% increase followed by your god you know your yearly god candle 13 31% increase uh, and then 2019 after 2018 that's a 95% increase followed by a 301% increase followed by a curbed 90% increase a lot of people think that a lot of that had to do with the distractions of, for example, NFTs. If anything, NFTs were the biggest winner of the previous uh, crypto cycle without question, um, you know, with, with some anomalies on the crypto side. So I just, I'm a big fan of this year over year uh, analysis, this breakdown of Bitcoin. Uh, we, we can move on, but do you guys have any other thoughts on, on the current state of affairs with crypto assets specifically? I just think right now is a perfect time to uh, kind of also take a look at like, Obviously, a lot of NFTs are going to struggle with positive price action on crypto, but that also gives you a unique opportunity to really look at what teams are doing from behind the scenes and try to spend that time like doing a little bit more research to see what that long game plan is and how they intend to drive that action. Um, one of the key things, too, is like a lot of people speculate on the underlying token price when in actuality that USDC price is still going to be adjusted and inflated at times and cause that positive correlation uh, to some extent. So also like looking into some of those projects that are iterating and driving some level of value there, there's going to be winners on both. And as the market has like a month of cooling off or choppy action, you're going to see that liquidity cycle into NFTs for like a leveraged trade position. Um, and it's, I just continue to think like this industry and space is going to continue to see a ton of like very innovative stuff. And in bull markets, it's usually when you get like a wave of a massive innovation and massive kind of attempts at new things to gain market share and traction. So I'm like, that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. Like when you look at, 2021, 2022, everyone in their uncle and aunt was trying a whole mess of new things here that people had never seen before, just trying to give an honest effort and see what would hit. And uh, that's what I'm most excited about because in the bear, people try stuff, but it's not as aggressive. And you definitely have uh, a couple more shots in a bull to let things fly. And when it's received positively, it really moves up. Yeah, people like to say that crypto, uh, you know, cr crypto price action going up is bad for NFTs. It is in the short term. But ultimately, I do believe that things kind of settle down with the quality actual NFT projects because when people are making you know crazy crypto gains, they bought Solana at twelve dollars and then Solana sixty dollars or something, they're willing to let it fly a little bit with you know buying NFT projects. So it's ultimately good for the quality NFT projects. Think about it: the prices of NFTs were at all time highs when crypto was near all time highs. It's not like 100%. when 
Yeah, I mean, th th that's why we had the 2021 bull run. It's because everybody got rich off of crypto and then threw that money into NFTs. Like, you have to you have to have the crypto go up so that people, like, people are broke right now. Like, the people <laughs> that want to buy NFTs. Let's be for real. There's not, like, they're not, like, loading up the truck with cash, right? So having this stuff run is good. But the only closing other closing thought that I have is just, like, I think when you see people posting in the timeline, you feel people feeling more bullish. There's a tendency to, like, leverage or throw it all in the pot it's okay to have some cash i still have 25 percent cash on the sideline because i'm gonna wait for like bigger opportunities i got money in eth i got money in bitcoin i got some nfts but like it's nice to have some cash and if there's a big play to come around i don't have to sell some other stuff to throw it in and also if we're all wrong and there's or short-term wrong but long-term right and there's some more downside well then i have like a buy opportunity so you can you can allocate without like going max DJ. Absolutely. So look, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the weather report with Signal in just a moment. Uh, real quick, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's show, Underwater by Lacoste. So Lacoste has just introduced the Underwater card, which is a digital asset that rewards brand builders and creators in a way that you probably have never seen before. So with the Underwater card, you gain access to a personalized experience program that reflects your activity and engagement in the space. Participate, uh, you're able to basically participate in creative sessions, contests, video games, interactive conversations to earn points and climb the leaderboard. The more active and creative you are, the higher your ranking. You're able to unlock unique rewards, utility, and you can increase the rarity of your underwater card. Um, so the underwater card celebrates, like we talked about, creativity, conversation, and gaming, and empowers you to embark on a brand journey that rewards your engagement with lacrosse. So if you want to showcase your creativity and unlock exclusive rewards, like a trip to Paris, for example, you can head to the link in the pinned tweet. Clemente's got it pinned in the Twitter space. Uh, this is, of course, Lacoste, uh, you know, the extremely well-known and, and long-standing um, you know, apparel and fashion company, really lifestyle company. So we're incredibly excited to have them sponsoring the show. We're going to hear from the team a little bit later in the show. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so make sure you check out that pinned tweet and check out everything going on in the world of Lacoste and Web3. Uh, Signal, how's it going? Going good, man. Going good. I'm actually really happy you started on this Bitcoin conversation. Um, like two nights ago, I was out at dinner and started talking to these two gentlemen next to me. And th these are like older profile. I think they're about like 55. And they both worked in the oil and gas industry. And mm. um, we started talking about the finance market. And this one guy was a real like um, he like he loved stocks and he was saying he invested in Apple 25 years ago and he invested in Tesla extremely mm -hmm. early. So this guy, you know, has his finger on the pulse. And then we got into the crypto conversation and it was really interesting to hear his point of view of why he doesn't invest in Bitcoin and how he sees it as a currency which fluctuates too much and would never be allow you to essentially be able to use it in the real world. That was his that was his thesis yep. onto why he doesn't invest in he's Bitcoin. obsessed and i like he's obsessed with medium of exchange discussion okay yes 
Exactly. But I love talking to smart people who are not in this bubble that we're in and to understand their point of view as to why they're not in any cryptocurrency um, so that you kind of understand where we are in terms of the life cycle of Bitcoin and how much further we need to go despite having conversations around institutional adoption from entities such as BlackRock and the other companies that we've heard from. So, um, yeah, I, I just think sometimes it's good to escape the bubble so you get another perspective. Um, and this was coming from someone, you know, is senior in oil and gas, uh, managed to somehow figure out that Tesla and Apple were going to be the it stock, uh, did that years ago, but despite that won't touch Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, just thought I'd share that because I thought it was pretty interesting, but onto the weather guys, uh, Tuesday, the 11th of March, GM, everyone, we've got market volume sort of a bit, little bit more muted. It's coming in at 17.6 million, uh, blur down at 8.5 open seat at 4.1 onto leaders. Things are pretty stable. They got apes around 34 and a half mutants hovering around seven just under at 6.7 punks just shy of 50 at 48 d gods not 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 quite recovering but stable still at 8.7 azuki back down under seven at 6.9 captains holding 5.7 interestingly enough and pudgies just solid at 3.9 over the past 24 hours well obviously board at yacht club debuted their on-chain verification for eight builders this new tool will be an easy way to verify prod products built by apes and and mutant holders in the community. And there's going to be an official directory with all the goods and products, which will be coming soon. Gaga tweeted about that yesterday. Onto the PFP side, a meme land shared its upcoming fire sale preparation, including the allow list spots for captains and potatoes holders. We found out that rarer captains will have a higher allocation and bonuses, uh, while potatoes will get an airdrop, obviously a lower allocation. And there's going to be bonuses given to crew holders. And the max buy-in for that will be 0.69 ETH. Over on Ordinals, Yuga Labs is in IP protection mode. They have requested that the ETH scription punks be taken down. The Ethscription protocol creator Middlemarch. He said on Twitter that he's agreed for the Ethereum Punks website to be taken down, along with the images from ethscriptions.com. And lastly, former Twitter founder Jack Dorsey has pleaded for VCs like A16Z to stop investing in Web3. He calls Web3 offensive and said just nine months ago, everyone talked about apes and how a universe will be built around them. And now we don't hear from them anymore. So that was Jack Dorsey's view on Web3. Over on crypto, we got BTC holding at 30k. ETH holding at 1800, so 1860, Solana at 22, and Ape at 1.9. Solana just outperforming everyone this week. I've been on an absolute ripper. So weather right now is definitely sunny in Solana land. So uh, Signal, the Jack yeah. Dorsey interview, I didn't get a chance to watch that. That's Jack Dorsey and um, Jack Mahler. I need Mahlers. to get the clip. Yes, yes. To well, the two I, Jacks I the talking. Yeah, I have the clip pulled up. Jack Dorsey of, I mean, excuse me, Jack Dorsey, of course, a former CEO and, and founder, co-founder of Twitter. And Jack Maulers is the CEO and founder of Strike, which is a Bitcoin-only uh, crypto, I mean, you could call it an exchange. Basically, it's a platform where you can buy Bitcoin for no fees. Um, and, and, you know, Jack Dorsey has really emerged as quite the Bitcoin maximalist, uh, very much so. He has, you know, he doesn't believe in ETH. 
and it sounds like he doesn't believe in NFTs. So you were saying that he's encouraging VCs to not invest in quote unquote web three. Is that the message that Dorsey was sending? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a clip from it, but he says essentially that, um, web three is, he finds it personally offensive and he thinks that, uh, VCs at the moment are essentially investing in hype, uh, hype which has no prince no real principles and no fen- fundamentals and it's trendy and in the context of board at yacht club what he was saying was that nine months ago you heard, you know they were everywhere and now they're nowhere and vcs are on to the next trendy thing which is ai which is about to kill us all um and he doesn't <laughs> want these large entities uh who in the past you know especially a16z um the founder has been extremely influential on the direction that the internet went and how we use it today. He doesn't want them to fall prey to trends and instead put money into funding open source and development on Bitcoin. That's, you know, that's the other side of the argument. So he's all about put money into Bitcoin, fund companies, startups on that side, and don't do Web3, which is just, you know, in, in, in his words, no rule principles, no fundamentals, and it's just trendy and also don't invest in entities and platforms that enable rug pulls or enable web three. Okay. Well, I'm a Bitcoin guy. So obviously, uh, you know, I have a bias towards Bitcoin. It's just funny to me that he's basically just operating as like a toxic Bitcoin maximalist in a way. And I feel like he's also not acknowledging web three is on Bitcoin now, like the NFT ecosystem, the web three ecosystem on Bitcoin is really really like bustling right now like it is popping over there kicks i just i just find it super interesting because uh first of all jack dorsey has all this money because vcs gave him money to build his companies yeah second of all the guy interviewing him jack maller raised 33 million dollars from vcs to build his company i invested in that round he's got my money (laughs) yeah and then and then thirdly he's acting like bitcoin is was like the first and perfect built nothing can ever be better than it cryptocurrency when the reality of the situation was there's plenty of cryptocurrencies before bitcoin and there's going to be plenty of crypto well there weren't any cryptocurrencies before bitcoin kicks yeah there was what do you think it just came out of the thin air there was like uh yes that's the that's or- why bitcoin's so important well the, it's the first actual cryptocurrency with like blockchain technology and the first one that took off there's blockchain there's blockchain technology before they even had uh tokens on top of it i'm pretty sure like the whole mining feature and i'm pretty sure that there was coins there was actual coins that were very very similar to bitcoin before bitcoin it's the first one that took off all i am saying i would get canceled for being present on this is like when joe rogan uh interviewed the crazy mma fighter sean strickland the other day he kept having to say i do not agree with what sean just said Uh, i do not agree with what kicks just said but go ahead kicks keep going speak your truth kicks I, my point being, okay, yeah. So first of all, the cryptocurrencies before the first cryptocurrency was called eCash, and it was created in 1990. There was B Money, there was Bitgold, and there was Hashcash, and they were all very influential in Bitcoin's creation. So it's not like yes, Bitcoin. We discovered it. It was created by aliens. It's the perfect system. We don't need to look for any other systems. My point being is that just saying anything other than Bitcoin is garbage is like saying anything other than. Uh, Napster or Cisco is garbage or anything other than uh, AOL internet is garbage. I just think as a technologist, it's a little counterintuitive to just dunk on everything else that comes after Bitcoin because Bitcoin's the perfect system. I'm massively bullish Bitcoin. 
But I also think that their technology advances, it innovates, it gets better. There's a potential that the next Bitcoin will be created in the future. So the problem with eCash and the other attempts at digital currency that came before Bitcoin were that they did not solve the double spend problem, which was the major techno technological innovation that Bitcoin solved and what secures the Bitcoin network and actually makes it so that Bitcoin can functionally work and grow to be like, you know, a trillion dollar asset class in itself. Um, but I do appreciate your perspective kicks a thousand percent. Uh, I do not agree that, you know, some new... Uh, Technology is just going to disrupt Bitcoin. I think actually we're seeing Bitcoin dominance grow because Web3 is coming to Bitcoin, which Jack Dorsey seems to have blinders on for. Anyway, the Nifty Daily Digest, the daily newsletter we publish at thenifty.com. We got a couple stories from there. So go to thenifty.com and sign up. It's You also need to have an account there to claim the free NFTs that we drop on this show almost daily. Typical Friends, the team behind Invisible and Garbage Friends, sold out a 50 NFT supply of quote-unquote mystery drops, which they call the NFT equivalent to loot boxes. This will include limited edition designer drops. The boxes cost 0.35 each and also include a guaranteed Garbage Friends mint spot, which does not include the additional 0.05 ETH mint price for that NFT. So you are seeing um, a continued, uh, you, like just basically like continuing to sell assets. They sold some physical collectibles this squad did recently. So they are having success continuing to drop things that people are paying for. This I is really interesting to me. This is what I'm like really excited about because mm -hmm. you look at their Invisible Friends Kith collaboration. Yep. They clearly have ties to like that space and that side of things. And their Kith collaboration is one of the few NFT merch items, I think actually the only at the moment, that can be sold on like a stock X and traditional avenues and has sales. Has liquidity, yeah. Actual has liquidity, yeah. And that's something that like I obviously like I love clothes. I love all that type of stuff. So I was hyper focused on the Kith drop. I love the hoodie that they released. I just ordered one. So I'm excited about that. Shout out the team over there. Um, but I'm really excited for like these mystery drops that are going down with it. And it's something that I think is going to have a really, really interesting use case moving forward here for like the loot box style. Because, dude, we've seen CS go loot boxes literally persist for 10 plus years now. You know what I mean? And like that entire space is ways that people just enjoy the game theory behind like, could I potentially get something more valuable than just buying this? And even when they get something that's garbage, it makes for good content. Like that's the thing. But yeah, I I mean, it's a Kith piece and I'm wearing Kith all the time. I love the quality of their clothes. So I'm, I got to talk to them and see how they got that collaboration. Clemente, go back to, um, are you wearing Kith right now, Clemente? I'm wearing the the invisible friend sweatshirt that you bought for like $150 for a chance at a at a whitelist back in the day. Oh wow. So a pre-drop merch item. Yeah, they sold so many of those because it was like if you buy it, it's like your ticket as it's like a raffle ticket to get in. Um there was so much hype. I bought one for like one hundred and thirty dollars. Well, I mean it's totally embroidered too. It's stitched. Like that is so badass. They the quality on these was so well done. Yeah, quality clothing costs money. 130 is a reasonable price. If you go to the Kith website, and that's actually like I think cheap for a Kith hoodie. Go to View Sales Clemente on the right, right there. So we're looking, ladies and gentlemen, we're on StockX right now on the YouTube channel, and we are looking at the sales. There is certainly liquidity on these Kith sweatshirts. There's more sales on this sweatshirt since April than plenty of NFT collections. So like there, you know, this asset, this sweatshirt actually has legitimate liquidity. So that's pretty cool to see that a, an NFT brand is getting legitimate 
traction in um, the streetwear world because, you know, StockX, if you get sales moving on there, that means you're pretty legit. Uh, is this the only item easy on StockX by Kip? No, they have a uh, varsity jacket as well. That's like, that thing is sick. It's just really expensive. Like, and I mean, living in South Florida wearing a varsity jacket, I think I would look absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but like hoodies, I at least wear inside because I keep the apartment cold. But that's something, they have that. They have a few hats. Um, they did, I believe, a BMW as well with Kith and Invisible Friends, um, which someone bought. It was like a one of one. It's They've done a lot of really cool stuff. And it's awesome to just see Kith dive into this. Yeah, I see the blue sweatshirt. I'm not seeing the varsity jacket, uh, but maybe they're, I don't know, it might be like sold out or something, but there's liquidity on the blue sweatshirt too. So there you go. Uh, So moving on, uh, we'll see what happens with that uh, drop from Typical Friends. Uh, Blur has announced that uh, Zuki Elementals and Elemental Beans are the next collections eligible for blend, becoming the first collection to be added to Blur's lending program since May 26th. Uh, along the same lines, royalties for both collections have been decreased to 0.5%. Uh, last but not least, this was the biggest story, I think, yesterday on Twitter. <coughs> Damn, I was doing so good. I got to shake this cop. But I, I mean, look, we're 41 minutes in. That's not bad. It's probably just some light COVID. It's good. Tell me your immune system. That 41 minutes in with no coughs is not bad. Uh, Arkham Intelligence are an on-chain data provider. They've launched a bounty marketplace that allows people to buy and sell on-chain cryptocurrency data. The marketplace utilizes a native token called ARKM, A-R-K-M, aimed at de-anonymizing the blockchain. I'm sure crypto Twitter people are going to love this. Uh, And will issue 50 million tokens, 5% of the total supply, on the Binance Launchpad for sale from July 11th to July 17th. So we got to dive into this story. Then I do want to talk about meme land a bit. Then obviously we have our sponsor, Lacoste. Reminder, go to the nifty.com, connect your ETH and Solana wallets. Uh, real quick shout out to our sponsor of today's show that we're going to hear from a little bit later. This is the underwater collection by Lacoste, the brand that you know and probably love, Lacoste. Uh, Lacoste is revolutionizing loyalty programs with the underwater card, an NFT that opens the door to unparalleled brand experiences. As an underwater card holder, your engagement is rewarded in a way that you have not seen before. You can connect your wallet to their dashboard and access a wide range of activities, including creative sessions, contests, video games, and interactive conversations. You earn points on the leaderboard based on your participation, your creativity, and your efficiency. So the rarity of your underwater card actually increases as you climb the leaderboard, unlocking unique utility and rewards. Um, This loyalty program is basically designed to celebrate creativity, conversation, and gaming. And it's also designed to recognize community members who actively participate in co-creation initiatives and engage in brand conversations. So if you're interested in showcasing your creativity and unlocking exclusive rewards, like a trip to Paris, like I mentioned before, you can head to the link in the pin tweet. I mean, it's awesome to see more brands, big global brands like Lacoste, uh, adopt Web3 technology. And we're super excited to hear from them later on in the show and discuss the underwater drop in depth. But look, let's talk about uh, this Arc Arkham. Uh, Dude. <laughs> I got to hear Dude. about this. Then we'll talk about meme line, but we got to cover this fully. What's the deal, Easy? So, yeah, I saw this going crazy on the timeline yesterday. It's a pay-to-docs service. 
So you can share alt wallets and basically any information about the individual you have. They ask for full name, email addresses, and social security numbers on the website. Wow. Yeah, like the field for the social says optional, but like, dude, what is wrong with people? If you want a shit coin to dock someone, you are like all time low. There was people that were scraping the Celsius uh, data when Celsius went bankrupt and sharing those wallets with full names because all that information became public and we're selling it to Arkham. The other thing that's crazy is they found the found. So when this platform dropped, they found out who the founder was and found an old YouTube video that's now unlisted uh, of the person. And in it, it's like, this guy's a crypto God. And in the video, he buys like two pairs of sunglasses for like $2,600. Doesn't talk about anything he's done previously. They found the guy's LinkedIn and the only interest the guy has is the CIA. So I'm like, dude, this is absurd. Uh, there's some interesting investors behind it too. I don't want to misspeak on who they are. I saw the list yesterday. I'd have to research. Open AI. Open AI. AI. That's what it is. Palantir. And yeah, Palantir. So those are the two. And once again, like Palantir is one of the most heavily funded government public traded stocks right now. They have huge government contracts. And Open AI is like obviously just farming the shit out of our data at this point considering they use it for machine learning. Shocker, like, I use the damn thing every day. They know me better than I know myself at this point. So seeing now Arkham getting in on it, like, how could you not think that crypto and blockchain tech is not going to continue to scale? Well, there's a full pay-to-dock service to find people on the internet that don't want to be found. I think that Web3 is going to push back on this, but you're going to get some people who are desperate for cash. And that's the other thing, too, is, like, all the promo links that people share are the person's email address just base 64 encoded. So you can actually see like who's using the promo links. Yeah. Um, they dox the person's email address. So even the website is piss poor as far as that goes. It's a joke. Like I, I don't think this thing gains mainstream attraction and like adoption, but just to see it all over the timeline yesterday in the, the huss and fuss about it is so ridiculous. Like you're going to get some garbage governance token to help vote on what, who they dox next. And just to see it turn around on the guy who found it to get lit up and be like put everywhere and show his face as he was previously anonymous is just like the icing on the cake from this like docs platform. I mean, it's pretty wild. Are, are these the feds easy? Absolutely. I mean, bro, Palantir and OpenAI are the two investors on a doxing service for Web3 wallets. Like, dude, Palantir's database is like one of the most used things by like governments at the moment too to like source and seed a whole bunch of stuff. There was even some drama with Palantir about doing like facial recognition tech, uh, like with CCTV in Europe. So like you look at that and it's like, all they're doing is just making it so it's like way more centralized in your information. Like there's no privacy, like anti-privacy everything. So seeing this stuff is absurd. Uh, I even seen the comments like their token should just be called snitch. <laughs> like that would be iconic. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's I'm good. I'm good. Well, look, uh, the feds probably would want to have some sort of doxing program for crypto because so there's a couple things. Number one, there are people that uh, engage in nefarious behavior on crypto. Obviously, I think that's uh, well known at this point. Number two, there is a significant a percentage of people that participate in crypto that are completely obsessed with not paying taxes. That's like the single most important thing to them. And obviously the government doesn't like it when you don't pay taxes. So they want to figure out a way to do that. There's also a percentage of people that are just giga uh, obsessed with privacy. Um, I don't know how, I mean, the, the government probably wants to dox them because they're probably evading taxes too. Uh, but yeah, this was a pretty fascinating story. The guy, the CEO was pretty young, right? He looks yeah, really like young. 
25, 26. Um, but it's just funny. Like, I got to find this YouTube video and share it because, dude, yeah. when you watch the video, it's so funny. Like, this guy just looks so out of place. And you have like, to find the video because he literally looks identical to I Love McConnell, who's yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like to a T. I'm going to find the video of this too because in it, he's they like talk about how he just went from like the US to Europe and just moved there and he's just splurging thousands of dollars on sunglasses. And it's like, this is the most crypto scammer shit I've ever seen. Like, you don't see someone just wake up and be like, all right, there dudes at Chrome Hearts, like a really expensive designer brand. And he's like, which sunglasses do I get? Oh, I'll just get both. And it's like, dude, like that type of shit just pisses me off. Well, uh, yeah. f- a couple, one fun fact is uh, if you're buying expensive sunglasses, then you're definitely uh, out of your mind because sunglasses break constantly. So just wanted to throw that in there. Also, I just accidentally I tried to add Nick to the show on Twitter because he requested and I accidentally removed him, basically banned him from <laughs> the space. So I just unbanned him. Uh, but I hope we'll be able to get him back on Twitter. Kicks, you were going to say something? Yeah, I just I I don't even feel like it's like a useful service. Like, do you actually think like the IRS is gonna like use this? Like, dude, people think they're like anonymous online. They they like loaded their account with like a Coinbase wallet. You know what I mean? It's like you know, like if you understand not paying taxes, that's called tax fraud. There's no statutes of limitations on that. Like, if you ever attach that account to your personal thing, like you're screwed. That's why I paid my taxes because then you don't have Happily, to worry. Happily, smile on my face. Smile Take on them. Face. There you go. Put a little extra on top. And say, <laughs> yeah, you know? you know, God, let me know if I can get a refund. <laughs> you know, like pay pay your fucking taxes. But like this service just doesn't even make sense to me. I just don't even understand it. Like the actual people that you would want to like dox are the fraudsters and Zach XBT already does a fantastic job of that. But I mean, hey, if people are interested in it, whatever. I did think it was interesting. I tried to see like what, um, Arkham could have stood for, and apparently it's a Russian word, Arkham. And if you translate it into English, it's Arkhamus, which is a Warhammer 40k character. And they describe the character as a highly suspicious and detailed orientated individual. So it kind of makes sense, you know, highly suspicious people uh, trying to dox everyone. Also, I just don't know the accuracy level of this. Like, how many like mis like mislabeling of wallets are we gonna have? Right? We're like. Some like, and then how do you prove? How can you prove something like that? You know what I mean? It just seems like fundamentally that it's flawed. Yeah, I, I love yeah, McConnell. That's the guy. Yeah, the right at the start. Back to there. selling. I'm back to selling. So they took this show. video down too, and I watched the video yesterday. They like go into style the guy. It's like some vlog type of thing, but they're trying to get a hold of this guy. And they, like the whole video, the guy's in it for about five minutes. That guy right there. Uh, he's a crypto god. That's a crypto god if I've ever he's seen one. Crypto god. And in it, they like style him, and he talks about like, oh yeah, I'm just on the internet. It's all I do. Da da da. Dude, this video just I was I'm watching this. I was like, this reminds me so much of like all the people Zach XBT ousts for buying iced out Rolexes and fishing links. I'm like, dude, this is such. Uh, it drives me crazy. I want to go to. I love McConnell. Yeah, I want to go to Signal. I, but there's there's something very special to me about crypto guys that finally make some money and and just splurge so hard. It's one of the funnest things, in my opinion. Anytime I see it, it brings a smile to my face. Uh, Signal, you have your hand raised. Then I don't want to hear if Bunny's worried about getting doxed. Yeah, I, I always find it really funny what they buy. It's just like the most 
basic things like expensive sunglasses. It's just like of all the things to buy, all the Lambos, you know, it's always a typical like sunglasses, Lambos and uh, expenses, you know, expensive couches. I know, but I think what's interesting about this service, which, you know, is quite odd um, for whatever reason, they felt the need to bring it to the market. But it does highlight something that I think people maybe perhaps not think about is that at the end of the day, like blockchain, it's, it's publicly anonymous, but it's not private. And those are two completely different things that I think people are sometimes muddling. Uh, obviously, there's a line that's crossed when you're then taking that publicly anonymous information and connecting it to an individual or an entity. Uh, and the fact that there is sort of, you know, an incentivized token behind it, um, trying to incentivize people to, 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 to take that action to actually link that un- publicly anonymous information to then um, to a private individual. Entity, but this is happening in the real world anyway all the time. There's entities like um, Bellingcat. They were the company that discovered who the Russian agents were that were literally dropping poison in in, in the UK when they were dropping like um, Novichok in different places and you know killing off uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, enemies. But uh, they like this same company brought out a free tool that essentially allows you to to get a photo with someone in it and within you know a certain amount of time you can figure out the exact location of where these people are for absolutely free and it can tell you the street that person is on and so like these types of services are already out there but it's more like how it's being used i just think having the token alongside it is very odd that we're sort of going down this like bounty <laughs> this sort of like bounty um path but and, and, and then incentivizing people to actually get like the real social security, their email, their, 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 their name as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if another service like this comes out in the future, but is used, but is used in a different way because the technology is already out there. Yeah, and I love your take on the basic uh, things that they buy. You should have been buying some Lacoste vintage, right, Sig? Oh, man, don't get me started about Lacoste. <laughs> I was I was going to be on the show on YouTube today and I was going to take out all my Lacoste um, gear and just be like head to toe Lacoste because I'm a huge Lacoste fan, especially uh, their summer collections, which always reflect like Wimbledon and Roland Garros. They're always fire and their hoodies and their um, sweatpants are really, really comfy for winter as well. So I'm bummed that I'm not on YouTube and instead on Spaces. But shout out to Lacoste because you guys do great lines, especially the tennis stuff. We're bummed out. Uh, you, you know, we wanted to see you crocodiled out. Um Bunny, are you worried about getting doxxed by Arkham Intelligence? Now, here's the here's the uh, alpha, right? You create like a Twitter alt. You you dox your own wallets. You get yeah because it's dox to earn, right? So then you make the money off of off of giving up your own info. <laughs> are you gonna get rich doing that, Bunny? Dude, I don't think Arkham cares about a New Jersey transit bus driver Dude, over that, here. That's someone's going to get that, man. We're going to buy a pack <laughs> of cigarettes with the with the money, buddy. Dude, they're expensive, man. <laughs> so for context here, you guys don't listen to our morning show. A guy pulls up every day and asks Bunny how the New Jersey transit is and like genuinely thinks Bunny is works for like New Jersey. Where's I work for the New Jersey transit? I mean, I mean that's a great up. pension program, so I wouldn't blame you. To, to be fair, Bunny, great I kind benefit. of feel like that's not terribly far off. Um, <laughs> Bunny with the prime post. Uh, Nick, nice of you to join us, man. How's it going, buddy? 
Thank you. Right at 9 a.m. So uh, I was going to ask, is vintage or streetwear more uh, trendy at the moment? There's an overlap. There is an overlap. I would say it's more like a Venn diagram. What's the name of the fashion designer who uh, passed in uh, late 2021? Virgil Abloh. Virgil Abloh. Uh, I was reading his Wikipedia yesterday for some reason. I don't know how the heck I ended up on his Wikipedia. And it says in there that he essentially got in a bunch of trouble. Hey, you have milk. Come on. For when he was. Uh, Bunny, like, you got you to gotta mute, dude. You I got it. You're Bunny's <laughs> breastfeeding again, dude. Live on the show. It's getting offensive, man. Well, like, he just got to the Third Street stop right down the house. He was opening the door trying to help someone on real quick. He's like, get, get on. Get on. You gotta oh, yeah, stamp your ticket. <laughs> so, okay. So a lot of commenters talking about me not being... Uh, look, you, if you really want to know what happened, I fell asleep on top of the bed without any, with, with fully clothed. Then I woke up in the middle of the night. Disrobed. Uh, disrobed i took a shower or not a shower i washed my face i took care of everything went back to sleep what alarm went off was like cool i'm gonna sleep a little bit longer and then uh just there was no other alarm and Wait, i woke fell asleep face down on your bed fully clothed K kicks he had one glass of wine at dinner last night right nick I can't it did actually work so i actually coded for the uh feature well I'm not saying Hey, that. relax. Bite your tongue. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the Bodago's Discord loves Leaky Nick. He yeah, just, just almost leaks things. Faucets. When he pulls up, all of a sudden, they all just start posting Leaky Faucet memes. Well, anyways, the bottom line is the, the Virgil Abloh um, wiki thing is very interesting. Primarily the area where, well, he, he's faced much controversy for just uh, stealing other people's things which seemed to be pretty effective from a marketing standpoint. Uh, but in addition to him being uh, so-called plagiarizing things, in December, he predicted that streetwear would die in 2020 as people moved on uh, to vintage clothing, which was an issue uh, for him saying that, um, which he, he later, uh, because he tried to sell streetwear after that. And... Uh, uh, so a lot of people are like, what the hell? But aside from that, maybe it hasn't uh, evolved the way that he anticipated, but I do see all the 90s stuff. Anywho, I was just wondering about that. And uh, I want to hear more about the Lacoste uh, style stuff from Signal. Maybe we can get some uh, private uh, tutorials on that matter later. <laughs> there you go. Uh, any other thoughts on Arkham Intelligence before we move on? Yeah, so uh, what I really like about Arkham is your two hats. Very nice hats. You know? Good hats, right? Which one do you like better, Nick? I actually may like Easy's. I really like Easy's. Um, but so for those listening right now, you can't see, but uh, Pio and Easy have both become merch designers. So uh, fashion they, designers, Nick. Fashion. High fashion. Okay, yeah. From print-on-demand service <laughs> providers. Uh, so, also known as high fashion, um, where, where they've taken some of the items from Bodagos and placed them on hats. And they look pretty good. I can see that rough riding. The, the uh, rough, rough racing one slaps. Doing, doing pretty well. Um, who knows? Maybe we uh, do something with that. Maybe. But, uh, some people like uh, POs. A lot of people like POs. 
I'm interested that people like it with the larger dog. Both Easy and Pio decided to go with larger dogs. Anyways, that's enough for hat commentary. Yeah, big dogs need big hats. I was feeling in a very fashionable vibe this morning when I came in, you know? You sleep in a little bit. You have a little bit of a tea ceremony there to begin with. And then you, uh, then you dive into fashion matters for the rest, for a large portion of the day, because uh, it's pretty nice being wealthy and retired and not having to uh, deal with anything. You know, Signal just sent me a message on Slack saying, "Come on, send me some uh, Bodago's merch samples." Signal, you live across the pond. What gonna- can you? Th- what are you saying that it mail can't come mail across there. the Atlantic? It's, it can, guys. Come on, send some over. No, mail is expensive, Sig. We're not about to light money on fire. We got to keep making samples and figure out what works best. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to get Sig all sorts of merch, all sorts of drip. We got to get Sig a a Bodago's boxing cutoff so that she can show her hands on the stream next time because she was wearing that boxer cutoff that one time. Everyone enjoyed that. Um, All right, so nothing else on Arkham. We're about to dive in with our sponsor, Lacoste, in just a second. Before we go, any commentary on Fat Zuki? And whether we think that... Fa- hey, hold on. We're transitioning from my commentary on fashion to Fat Zuki rather than the sponsor. It's high fashion. Fat Zuki. Have you seen what they wear? It's covered in crumbs, mustard stains. <laughs> Did you see grease. that uh, Fat Zuki had uh, potentially paid Mario uh, based on the... Oh, right, uh, right. They paid Mario. So there was Mario thread last night. Did we discuss that on the show? No, we haven't we discussed not. the Mario thread. <laughs> So there's a thread that's tracking the bots of Mario Nafel. Look, I had said uh, after the FTX thing happened that we needed to the next person on our list to investigate was Mario. And I was <laughs> We wanted be- you wanted to fly to Dubai so we could sit down face to face with Mario. I almost guarantee he would have done it. I still think he would. <laughs> I still think at this point he would be open to doing that. Like that's like a legitimate potential. He loves turning everything into a press opportunity or you know, uh, publicity opportunities. But there's a thread that went out that's called tracking the bots of Mario Nafal uh, or Nafal. I, I don't know how you say it. Um, but uh, in there, they also list uh, a whole set of accounts that are botting him, but also recipients of them, including uh, his core companies, as well as other projects. And one of those projects is... Fat Zuki. So is Mario not, uh, Nafal responsible for the growth of Fat Zuki? Uh, yes. No, I don't know. Um, but I'm not surprised that a derivative of a Zuki where the Azukis are overweight uh, used bots to try to you know maximize what they were doing. I do wonder what how much money they actually ended up making after they like went through that bot process and all that. Well. This has been an issue with Twitter for a long time. Mario had built out his own bot network, though, and that was a known thing. I I got DMs from people that wanted uh, me to go public with that, actually, like a year ago. With information, like DMs, like breaking down. I used to work for Mario. He has his own bot network. Here's the details associated with it. The problem was I only had like a single source associated with this, and it's like, he has a trail of people who he's like betrayed or pissed off in some way that like becomes sources. And the problem is angry people are very good at leaking, but all leakers are not created equal. And the, the result is 
you sometimes get a bunch of unverified information and the person doesn't want to dox themselves even to you. So they can't like, you can't get all this information, but we now have multiple sources. Now the fact that this guy came out with it, the reality is this, and this is all the information that they had uh, provided to me, was that Mario has his own bot network and that's what this person shows as well. He, he's been developing it for uh, a long period of time. And that's the only way you can actually bot effectively with Twitter. You need to go through this process where you go buy old Twitter accounts. That's like step one. All the spammers do it, including Russia. Uh, and uh, they then go, and by the way, when I include Russia, I should include US-based political campaigns, which like, I have friends in DC that used to do this all the time. So like, not at the scale, I think that uh, governments do primarily again, Russia, but uh, I do think um, uh, you can definitely replicate this. And I think each of these accounts usually costs something like $10 to get like some of these old accounts. So it, the, the price varies, but you can just go get those with sort of uh, high reputation accounts and get around it and start having them tweeting periodically. And then uh, once you have you know quality accounts, that's the name of the game here. And you can start botting a lot of people. And all you need is like, you know, a thousand to two thousand of them, which doesn't take that much effort. He right now is selling sponsorships for one show for $75,000, which is uh, pretty impressive. Definitely impressive. Uh, we'll have to see how everything shakes out. I have a hunch it's just going to continue to shake out the way it has been. The uh, second thing I wanted to announce here is that we're working on building our own bot network, actually. <laughs> it uh, seems like a pretty effective marketing strategy. So uh, we'll give an update when. Uh, our audience has quadrupled. Um, when I was 22 years old, I wanted to make it as a Twitch streamer, and I bought some Twitch bots uh, just to, you know, pad the views. Never made it. As you Twitch got streamer. some, you got those cheap bots though. You probably went to like Twitch bot, twitchviewers.com or something. Well, what's weird is you have like 300 viewers and there's no one talking, and so like normal people will come in and be like, "Like, what's going on? Why is it so quiet in here?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know." Uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's a, watch my stream, dude. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> viewers are passive listeners, so that's that's the deal there. I tried it once after Mario did uh, with ours, and it just didn't look right, and it it felt like, and it just bust like it messed up. It, basically, it was shit bots, and the only way to do it is the way Mario does with real accounts that also comment on things, reply to things, seem like loyal fans. Um, and there's no doubt, you know, that he keeps doing it. And someone says. It got him to Elon's lap, and that's exactly that. That's what was so infuriating about that whole journey for me was we went down to FTX or sorry, down to uh, Bahamas, uh, which was uh, FTX uh, HQ, and we went down there, and Mario was uh, busy running his uh, spaces, which were did have legitimate audience viewers, but it was incredible that he was able to get Elon during that time, and I, I remember just being like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, he got Elon on? Uh, like, this is ridiculous. Like, this whole thing. But he did have legitimate viewers that were going on there. And there was a hunger for FTX content Oh yeah, during that time. So if you were doing anything FTX-related, I mean, number number goes up. It was, it was a hot trend in the crypto space. 
There you go. Uh, well, we'll have to see how that whole thing shakes out. Ladies and gentlemen, time to talk with today's sponsor, the one and only Lacoste brand, specifically the Underwater Genesis Pass Drop is what we're going to be talking about. You've heard me talk about it a couple of times so far on the show. We're incredibly excited to have Lacoste sponsoring the show. We have the team here to discuss the drop. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? Hey, GM, GM. Very excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. It's doing great. What about you guys? Doing fantastic. Ex- extremely excited to have you. Um, you know, I've talked about some of the kind of high-level points surrounding the Genesis Pass and what the mission is of Lacoste in Web3. But I'd just love to hear from you all, you know, uh, what's the deal with this pass? You know, uh, how are you all thinking about it? And what else should people know about Lacoste and Lacoste Web3 journey? Sure. So to give you a bit more of context, because I think it's essential when you when you see the, the mission, the new step of our project is how this underwater project started. So it was a project that was launched a year ago, focusing on community, how we can explore the blockchain uh, technology to make sure that we have a new relationship with our community for a Web2 brand like ours. It's key, of course, and it was super interesting to see uh, the community creation uh, through blockchain. So Lacos wanted to explore that. And, uh, and during a year, they experimented a lot of different things, events, uh, uh, Discord, uh, community creation, a lot of different things go up and stuff. And the objective right now was to take some step back and think about what is the long-term project we want to build uh, in the future. What is our vision? Where we want to go? And based on that, the most important thing is how we can create a rewarding model because everything starts with the community, how we can create a rewarding model that will stand in the future and that will be pluggable to any future brick that we will uh, create in the in the future. So that's the, the mission, which is the, the beginning of the project, is the rewarding model. And how it works is you have an NFT that is dynamic and where it, that will store any activity that you are doing in the, the underwater project and that it will reward you at the end of the year uh, based on the engagement and the, the commitment you had in the community. Awesome. And, and, you know, this started, the quest started on June 29th, so just a couple of weeks ago, and the mission is going to continue until December 2023. Can we talk about that, you know, the quest and the mission and also some of these rewards? Sure. So basically what we took is like any activity that we think is fun and that creates value for the, the community and that makes sense for the brand. And the first mission uh, was a quiz around internet where you, ha- you had to find the code uh, uh, going from the, our Twitter, our website, our Discord. And we had like a, a lot of members of our community uh, exchanging uh, day and night uh, trying to find the, the solution. Uh, that's the first kind of quest. And we have other uh, quests like that that are work in progress and harder in the future because we see that our community is really, really smart on this one. And even when we are trying to have it harder, they find it in in few days. And uh, we also created the factory in our Discord. It's uh, uh, the place where creative people can uh, uh, exchange and create some real merchandising, like us merchandising that we will launch in few weeks and we want to go stronger on this one. So if you are a cre- creative and artist, uh, 
go check the project because we are looking for a strong uh, creative community to build the fashion of the future. So you have the creative uh, aspect and after you have the event if you are participating in a physical or digital event, uh, AMA, if you are coming in uh, Roland Garros because you are invited, you get your poem and, and for all of that you get rewarded. It sounds awesome. And I want to definitely talk about the leaderboard. I also want to see if, you know, Signal or anyone else has any questions that are the cost related or Nick, go ahead. Yeah. The most obvious question here is what sort of clothes can I get out of this process? <laughs> well, a question. Um, what we are trying to build here is like co-create merchandising with our community. We will re reveal how it works in the future. Uh, but the objective is to create here a, a more exclusive uh, merchandising aspect and uh, to go uh, further in the, in the creative lines, let's, let's say. Uh, Lacoste is a, has a strong heritage in terms of closing of course you are aware of it. And now what we are looking for is kind of the, the Japan challenge. How I, that's how I, look to, I, I like to call it. It's how you can mix the heritage and the innovation of, uh, of Lacoste and how we can go uh, way beyond with our creative community in the, in the fashion uh, industry. When you say co-creating, does that mean that like you're working with the community to create limited run uh, sort of uh, merchandise? Yeah, exactly. So um, during the last month, we had on Discord the, the first uh, proof of concept in, ter in terms of co-creation. Uh, it was uh, uh, questions about what type of wearable do, uh, of, of merchandising do you want? Do you want a hoodie? Do you want a jogging? What type of color? What type of logo? What type of AR uh, effect do you want on it? And based on all the, the community reaction on that, we created those uh, merchandising pieces that will be uh, available in the, in the following weeks. And that was the, the first one that we made on, on Discord, but we are working on going stronger on this one uh, in terms of tools, in terms of opportunities, uh, and in terms of uh, general process. So, because the, the main challenge for all of us, I think right now, is how we can make it accessible to anyone and not Web3 exclusive. How you make uh, a user experience that is super accessible for anyone and it's like, it doesn't need any specific knowledge. So, uh, well, I love that. We have similar uh, uh, mission uh, with uh, the nifty.com uh, where we actually do something similar and it's all about uh, accessibility is a core part of our uh, focus. But a question, or like what I'm wondering, you, you said something there about the community work together to create or co-create uh, the first run of merchandise and it was available within weeks. You're saying they were able to actually, they were able to order it or they were actually received it within weeks? That's something that we will uh, reveal in the following weeks when it will be open. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's actually one of the biggest challenges in the space from what we find is that like the, the creation process to delivery process is quite long, it, which is not the worst thing, but uh, how it's communicated with a lot of other brands has been quite challenging. Uh, like it feels very much like a sort of Kickstarter in its approach. A lot of Kickstarter projects, I don't know if you've uh, dealt with that, take a while. So if you're able to, you know, deliver with the community, um, that's huge. Like that, that's an, that's a massive value. Added. Definitely. And I think uh, that kind of model or a super interesting model. And we see it in a lot in uh, music 
we have a, a case in in France in a, like a rapper a YouTuber is building like a, a Kickstarter model based on the new rappers uh, that he he see on it uh, on YouTube and I think like uh, giving some uh, visibility of uh, of creators uh, in the in this environment is definitely something. Uh, uh, that is interesting and that uh, like blockchain can definitely enhance. Absolutely love to hear it. And Signal has her hand raised. Signal, do you have a question? Yeah, I was going to ask, um, say, for, for, say for example, I'm in Paris and I walk past a Lacoste store with a friend who is not in Web3 and doesn't really know much about the space. Is there a way for that person to be activated when they walk in store? That will be, that, the, the, so there's two challenge series. How to you link it to a, like a complete Web2 structure to a Web3 structure, that's the first one. And the second one is how you link the physical to the digital. So here you are uh, pointing a, a double challenge that we are also working on. And in the future, I would love to have him uh, uh, connecting to our underwater project from uh, uh, Lacoste uh, place, but for the moment, it's not the case. Any follow-up questions, Sig? I love your clothes. <laughs> and, uh, no, I do. I'm it's a not a question, fan. Signal. I know, I know it's not a question, but I'm still going to say I, I do think like Lacoste as a brand is, um, it's, it's not one that a lot of people speak about, but I do really, really think that the clothes are just absolutely banging, especially on the streetwear side. Um, and when I am in Paris and see the stores, I'm the one always walking in with friends, telling them that they need to go in there and, and actually try this, like try the gear on. Um, also, I was going to ask, will, um, are, are you guys also thinking about like activation around the sports that Lacoste um, sponsor in the future as well to somehow integrate? Um, definitely. Uh, right now, we are more focusing on fashion, but sport is definitely part of the DNA of Lacoste and we, it's not something that we can, uh, uh, we can avoid and we see definitely a lot of value there in terms of, uh, in terms of events mostly, uh, but focusing right now on, on, uh, on fashion mostly and uh, to answer on your, on your, uh, previous feedbacks. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for <laughs> for your appreciation of uh, Lacoste brand and Closet. Is, uh, always loved, always loved that. But what I think is also interesting is that Lacoste has been here for 90 years now. And when we talk about Lacoste, I think we all have our specific vision of the brand. And, it, and it's also why it's super interesting to for a brand like ours to have a co-creation model because from someone to another, they can have a very different view of what they like from Lacoste and building with them is like so resourceful for us. Awesome. Well, that insight's great. Uh, we do want to touch on the ranking system and the leaderboard, also the personal dashboard um, before we wrap. So what can you let you know the audience know about that ranking system, about the leaderboard, about the kind of process of participation? So it's pretty transparent on the website. You can see the leaderboard live. Uh, it's What we are working on is connecting uh, uh, within the next week, we will connect more and more uh, uh, depending on what we are building. So, for example, we are working on connecting on Discord. So, every time you send a, a message, you get a, you get a point. Depending on the different activities, so if you are doing the uh, the quiz, if you are doing the co-creation uh, activations, like for the moment, we are using AI to illustrate our storytelling, uh, our news that will come uh, on our website 
in the next weeks that is talking about the history of René Lacoste, the founder of Lacoste. Uh, we are doing a creative challenge uh, using Blue Willow, the AI generation from our community and everything that they generate uh, will be displayed on our website. Like this is how our community saw the story and we'll illustrate the article with that. Uh, that's an example of, uh, of activity. And uh, in the future, we will connect new activities to make sure that you are all rewarded for your for anything that you are doing in the under, underwater environment. Uh, in terms of leaderboard, you can see it on the website. It's the two, top 200 at the end of the year that will be rewarded with a specific uh, price. And as you said, the first one will be invited in Paris for a VIP experiences, uh, experience to see the office, to go to Roland Garros, to see the, uh, the behind the, the stage of, of Lacoste. And the second one, for example, uh, will be able to create its own uh, Lacoste uh, merchandising piece. Awesome. And is there anything else that people that are interested in the underwater pass that are interested in lacrosse, uh, lacoste, excuse me, not lacrosse, lacoste getting involved in Web3, anything else that they should know about this drop or any of the lacoste Web3 plans? I mean, it, it, it's important to, to see that here in the lacoste, first we are, uh, we have like a stronger team now and we have a bigger team and we are going stronger on that. And even if it's a, we can see some brands that during the, the, the beer market, they are going slower on our side, we are going faster. And that's the objective. And the second aspect is that we are growing stronger on the fashion and co-creation system. So if you are curious about new model of creation, you should follow the project. And yeah, the mission is just the beginning of the real rewarding model. We will build on top the features uh, uh, that will, uh, activate the community. Absolutely. And Clemente has uh, the website pulled up on YouTube. Uh, it makes everything very clear. It's actually, you know, really like strong UI in my opinion. It's pretty simple, pretty easy to understand. What's the call to action, uh, you know, for anybody that's interested in this? Where should people go? What should people do? So the first, the first thing, if you are curious about the project, you can come on the Discord, meet the community. They are uh, super helpful, super nice, and we, we you can spend the days with, the days with them if you are willing. But the the most important thing after that is uh, on board on the project. You can go on OpenSea or any other marketplace on Ethereum and get your underwater pass, which is the the entry pass to the experience, and it will. It has been like that for a year and it will stay like that in the future. Uh, the underwater card uh, is the, the entry path to our experience. So if you want to uh, join the project, you get the underwater card and you start the mission experience. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, this was absolutely fantastic. I see the actual Lacoste main account in the audience too right now, which is super cool. Um, everyone should make sure that they follow the Lacoste underwater account. It's on stage right now. Check out uh, you know, the Discord. Check out the website. We have everything pinned to the top of the show. And thank you all so much for coming. Nick, do you have something to add? Yeah, real quick. If you're looking up uh, on OpenSea, it's UNDW3. If you're actually uh, searching for that project, UNDW3 on OpenSea. Yeah, th there we go. Well, thank you. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was, uh, thank you for that. It's true that we say underwater and we're used to that, but it's UNDW3. <laughs> and thank you for the Absolutely. invitation. It was, uh, was great talking about that. And thank you for the, the community. 
Absolutely. Uh, our pleasure. Uh, well, everybody, that's our show. Uh, if it's your first time listening, we run the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Sometimes we run a little bit over. One more huge shout out to today's sponsor, Lacoste. Check out that underwater pass. Clemente has all the links pinned to this, uh, you know, to this Twitter show. Been showing it on the YouTube. Uh, this show also gets uploaded as a podcast to Apple and Spotify podcasts. If you'd like to share it with people outside of the Twitter bubble, if you want to watch the show on YouTube, it's available on YouTube. All the links are available in the NFT Morning Show account that you see as the host of the space. Check out the Lacoste Underwater Drop. That's the sponsor for today's show. Uh, and we will be back tomorrow. Thanks so much, Lacoste, one more time. Uh, and everyone, we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. See you later.